Hi. <laughs> Welcome to another spooktacular edition of the Kaiju Transmissions podcast with Kyle Bird, your host. Matt Parmley's here. And we have recurring guest host. Our friend Tom is here. What's up? What up, Doug? Uh, who I believe is enjoying the chewing noises. Yes, he's I, enjoying some laffy taffy at the moment. I got. I wanted Hello. to. I wanted the Hello. material. Hello. Hey. Oh. Hey. Hi. 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 What? Wanna, what are you doing? I have no idea. My mic cut out for a second, and oh. you know. so you just started saying hi. <laughs> well, I. <laughs> yes. Well, let's go with that. Huh. I wanted to have some. I want to have some fresh material to start off the podcast with, so I'm having a laffy taffy. And I'm, I'm gonna tell I'm gonna tell a joke here. And let me just say that this joke, this joke could fit right into Beware the Blob. So when I tell this joke, you have to imagine me slathering ice cream on my face <laughs> direct from the carton, because that might be the only way anyone would ever laugh at it. Ironically. Okay. What color screams hello? Uh, yellow. I was gonna say yellow. I don't get it. It rhymes with hello. No, yell and then hello. Yellow, hello. It's not a joke. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's a joke if you're like four. I mean, other than them rhyming, I don't really, I don't really, I don't, like, I don't see why yellow has to scream or anything like that. I don't know. Yeah, like, that would be like, uh... That's, that's, that, that joke is, was on, on the cutting room floor of Beware the Blob. But that would be like saying, oh, what, what, (laughs) uh... What color screams moo blue? What color screams spleen green? Like, you can't just, like... You can't do that. Uh, someone you can, can if you're an alien. They gotta have, like, a like guys, like... Like, on a regular payroll to come up with those. Right? <laughs> That's scary to think about. Like, who, someone has to be in charge job? of that. What if someone was like, what do you do? And you're like, oh, I write the jokes for Laffy Taffy rappers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, I'm not sure if we're going to be able to get this out in time for Halloween, on Halloween. Uh, it might be a Halloween hangover episode, uh, which, I mean, for for me anyway, I always suffer the Halloween hangover in November. You know, I'm always, uh, you know, trying to cling to what I can of October because, you know, all the stuff I love is going back out of style. And so uh, whoever is still running the, the TV marathons or, or whatever, you know, I always, I always try to stick around a little bit. You guys ever? Well, I usually end up. I usually end up pushing it through a little bit because I always bite off more than I can chew. I've still got. 
um, what we're we're just a few days away from Halloween now, and I've got like seven or eight movies I want to try to watch. Um, that's not going to happen. Yeah. So I haven't had a lot of time to revisit like my favorites that I like to watch around Halloween every year. So. Yeah, I'm hoping to squeeze at least a couple of those in, like a trick or treat, you know, uh, remember where, and I can remember like when Mike Doherty was normal, um, <laughs> <laughs> or I think the normal thing is the, the, that's what gets me the most. That's, that's a painful one. Um, yeah, I, I haven't even gotten to watch like a, an evil dead or anything. Yeah. My Blu-ray of the shout factory blob, uh, shipped. So I should have that tomorrow. Maybe I'll dig into that a little bit but um anyhow uh so today uh this is i did watch quatermass too by the way yeah how'd you like it it was awesome i like quatermass he's a crabby old bastard and it and it fit right into that that little blob thing we had going yeah so there's some good effects in that that movie too Quatermass, I love me some Quatermass. I like I I miss when the heroes of science fiction movies were just crabby old guys. <laughs> um, I I do get Hollywood hang Hollywood Halloween Jesus uh, hangover only because I worked retail for years and like on November first it was Christmas. Yeah, no Thanksgiving. You go from Halloween to Christmas, and all I got was like a steady diet of you know eight hours of christmas music and i and i now hate all christmas music of all time because I, I listened to it for so many years yeah so that's my cranky story you 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 could you're you're like quatermass i bet he hates christmas dude he, yeah he has to yeah but no crabby <laughs> old men are my favorite there was a, a movie i saw at the nightmares film festival There's called cool called vfw and it's all about these crabby old war veterans like facing off against these mutant punks, like, Assault on Precinct 13 style. Uh, it's from the guy that directed Bliss and uh, The Mind's Eye. It was my favorite movie that I saw the entire weekend. So if you like crabby Bliss old was, men... Bliss was solid, by the way. Yeah, but it's Stephen Lang, Martin Cove, William Sadler, uh, David Patrick Kelly, who was uh, Jerry on Twin Peaks, George Went. And Fred Williamson are the crabby old men. Sounds George Wendt was in Bliss also. Nice. But no, that was my favorite movie of the fest. It was it was great. So anyway, we're enough crabby old men. Um, so our subject today is uh, a sort of random selection of Japanese vampire and Frankenstein films. Um, and that will... Uh, end with va- Vampire Girl versus Frankenstein Girl. Um, now, uh, we aren't going to be talking about, you know, the Toho Frankenstein or Dracula movies. We've done those in the past. Um, but whenever, especially Frankenstein, whenever Japan gets a hold of Frankenstein, something crazy happens. Uh <laughs> 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 and uh, Japan also, likewise, has uh, some very interesting alternative takes on vampires. Um, so we kind of picked one Frankenstein movie, one vampire movie, and, of course, the crossover event of the whatever year it came out, <laughs> Vampire Girl versus Frankenstein Girl. 
um, just as kind of a sampling of uh, some really kind of different and original and unique versions of, you know, the oldest horror monsters um, in existence uh, in terms of modern um, modern myth. Um, and of course there's, there's still other Japanese Frankenstein and Dracula and vampire stuff out there. I know that. Um, and you know, that also means that's plenty for us to do in the future. Um, but today we are going to do, uh, we have Last Frankenstein from 1991, Mare Bito from 2004, and Vampire Girl vs. Frankenstein Girl from 2009, um, and we are going to do our thing uh, with those three films. So we're going to start with The Last Frankenstein, which was 1991, um, made by Bandai Visual and released by Shochiku, and to hit us with a tiny bit of background... And also, a plot synopsis of this uh, um, pretty crazy movie, uh, I am going to throw uh, uh, to Tom. Popcorn Tom. Okay. So, yeah, you, you're, this, is, this is based on a play, and it retains much of the same cast. And that's, that's really... Really, all we know about it. Yes, and um, uh, the the it, the play is from the same writer director Takeshi Kawamura, and this I, from what I could tell, this is the only film he made, which is probably ooh. unfortunate. It, Whatever brain thought of this, I would like to see more. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, okay, yeah. Um. Oh god. Oh, and it stars Akira Emoto, who uh, otherwise is known as. Yuki, the best thing about Godzilla versus Space Godzilla. <laughs> but he shows up in a lot of stuff. Uh, Sinking of Japan remake and Shin Godzilla, but also... Z- yeah, he was in Shin Godzilla Yeah, he's in Zebra Man. He's been in a ton of stuff. He's like a real actor over there. Like, he's, he's got quite a filmography, but... So, so what's up so with if you're, this last Frankenstein, Tom? If you're familiar with the story of Frankenstein, the first 30 seconds of the last Frankenstein, <laughs> maybe a little longer than that, will will seem extremely familiar to you. And you'll be like, oh, cool, a Frankenstein movie. Because it starts with a, a, a scientist who's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to put down the thoughts of this while they're fresh in my head. While the horror, while I can still remember it. Before you know, it fades for me, so that I can warn everyone not to, you know, mess with and play with with the forces beyond human knowledge. Uh, from there, it is the insane ravings of a lunatic. Um, we go with uh, in in no particular order because it doesn't really seem to matter over much. To, uh, there is a crazy suicide epidemic sweeping the nation of Japan uh, and the world as a whole. And a bunch of scientists are dis- have decided, more or less, that um, this, this epidemic, this, this spike in the suicide rate, is actually uh, an infectious disease. It, it attacks the brain much like a disease, and the incubation period can be anywhere between three to five years. 
So they uh, they assign a certain scientist to try to kind of come up with the cure. And now this scientist, um, God, what was his name? Hang on, um, uh, Seru Serusawa. So if you you know, kind of sounds like Serazawa, but Serusawa, uh, he is an interesting character. He's um, a, a professor at a local college. He's sleeping with one of his students, um, but he will never, you know, spend the night with her because he says he has to get home to his daughter. And she's like, you mean your wife and your daughter? And he's like, no, just, just my daughter. Um, turns out that his wife had killed herself. So he suspects himself of being a, a, a carrier uh, uh, infected with the disease. He goes home to his daughter. Wait, you and, forgot to tell um, them about the say what occurred at that meeting he went to. Oh, insanity! <laughs> Where everyone laughs after everything it's that's said. Just, it's just craziness. <laughs> Um, there's also a scene of expository dialogue delivered where everyone is walking backwards. Um, <laughs> the, the, uh, so he, he goes home to his daughter to kind of tell her that like, Hey, you know, like I know your mom killed herself and we're discovering that it's this infectious disease. I'm, I'm going to fight and find the cure so that it can help you learn to control your psychokinetic powers. Because his daughter, ever since his wife killed herself, has psychokinetic powers. Um, so that's a thing for some <laughs> reason. Um, Sarusawa then goes to see Dr. What's what's his actual name? <laughs> like, um, his name is Dr. Alio. Ipo. Yeah, but he something. insists that he, they call him Doctor Frankenstein. Yes, and he insists that he's not Frankenstein. He insists that he's not Doctor Frankenstein, and that he's been, but he's also been a, alive for like alive for like a hundred years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, he claims it's 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 been just by not feeling emotions. Um, so this is where this 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 Frankenstein finally starts to get introduced. He says. Oh, it's good that humanity's killing themselves because they're too emotional. And here is my Superman that I have just created to not feel emotions anymore. And he unveils his his monster. And it, it's a fairly classic looking monster. And he's like, and also his bride. And it's like a hot chick with like a stitch in one spot. Um, and, and he then has a Frank weird like, wife. And, and then Frank is like, Stein is like, all right, guys, now my creations have sex right <laughs> right now, right in front of me. And everyone is like and everyone in the in the room. Yeah, <laughs> everyone is like, this is this is wildly uncomfortable. But he's like, no, this is normal because they won't have Sex-o. emotions. <laughs> um, so he then tries to get these creations to mate. Um, that's what the like driving force behind basically the rest of the movie is he's trying to create his race of superhumans um, in order to take over from humanity. Meanwhile, Seruzawa is trying to convince him to sort of use this research to uh, figure out a cure for the disease of of suicide, and and uh, you know to that end or to to any particular end i don't know 
Frankenstein forces his creations to watch porn. Um, they sit around and watch porn. <laughs> well, he while thinks like, it'll get them. It'll get them going. You know. Yeah, he thinks that it'll help them figure out the mechanics of it. Um, and 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 really, actually, what what ultimately the movie kind of becomes this struggle of, and it takes a really long time to get there, is it's this sort of struggle between emotion and um, and trying to save the human race, and and letting them be humans and have emotions, right? Um, because essentially, Serizawa ends up telling Frankenstein that like. The only way he's ever going to get these creatures to mate and the only way he's ever going to get them to want to have sex is if they can start feeling emotions. But Frankenstein is like, I don't want them to feel emotions because then they'll just they'll just be humans um, and they'll recreate all of humanity's same problems. And so this is kind of the the main moral sort of tug of war of the movie. And the theme is like what's what's you know worse for humanity to go extinct or for them to not be human anymore and uh it gets even crazier than some of the stuff i've already said <laughs> uh and it and it culminates in basically uh, everyone killing themselves or being killed <laughs> the only thing we didn't mention you, is you might uh, say you know, you know, you might you might say in a plot synopsis as a joke, everyone died and then it was over <laughs> the end. Um, that's uh, everyone died and then it was over the end. <laughs> the only thing we didn't mention was that uh, the professor's daughter is also a psychic, and that's the he. Doctor Frankenstein needs her to like breathe life into the creations with her psychic energy. Well, does oh, Sarasawa yeah. and his daughter do they they don't die do they? Uh, I think the I think the father and the daughter live, but he's also he's pinning like the letter at the very end. Yeah, he doesn't die because he's the one telling the story. He's telling the story. I think his daughter may have lived. I don't honestly. Oh yeah, and then there's also an an Igor like character. <laughs> yeah, hunchback <laughs> with assistant. a horrific comeback. Yeah, and and hunch, like hunch thing, he yeah. starts off speaking Spanish. Like he's always like Buenos dias. <laughs> And then, and then later in the movie, he just grunts, and they're like, "He never talks." And I'm like, "But earlier he was speaking Spanish." <laughs> so, oh, that was also something in in wasn't it in one of the Kibakichi movies where an evil character? It was it was the guy. Oh, whoa, whoa. in Kibakichi <laughs> two, you remember remember the bad guy that we, we were t- we were talking about the guy who was the Dobra. product yeah 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 Something. yeah yeah oh, you talking about Sakamaru yeah his his rape dad oh yeah he was speaking Spanish was too yeah a Spanish speaker he was a blue eyed blonde haired Spanish dude yes and he was he also was like Buenos dias <laughs> <laughs> like so I I need to know maybe maybe. Maybe our buddy Kevin can answer this one for us, or maybe any listener can. Anyone who's more well versed in Japanese culture is um, is is the Spanish language seen as like inherently evil? There. Well, uh, we're gonna talk. What's uh, what's the guy's name? When we're gonna have to get to it when we get to Vampire Girl versus Frankenstein Girl. But the guy that killed the Vampire Girl's mom. It was one of the like Christian missionaries. Uh, like, yeah. d- is, does that maybe have something to do with it? 
Could be, yeah, because they were conquistadors, so they were, yeah, that makes sense. Maybe. Because they, they really were trying to force that shit on them, and if for Kibakichi, that would line up with, like, the time period, probably. Buenos dias, So, so, so <laughs> if, if they were Spanish, my guess would be that, yeah, they, uh, they, that guy is probably the rapist. Oh, we didn't talk about Dr. Frankenstein's best friends. You guys don't remember this? His collection of aborted, stillborn oh, and yeah. fetuses. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, that he like hangs out with and hugs. Yeah, yeah he he takes them like, out of the jars and like hugs them and stuff. So his wife that he created. Yeah, Tom. It was. Fr- yeah, Tom. Francis Xavier is the name of the of the real life Spanish missionary that uh, was trying to convert the Japanese um, in f- the 1500s. Um, so my guess is the dad that uh, uh, of the villain in Kibakichi Two was probably raped by one of the Spanish missionaries. Huh. So that's like a cultural thing I, I i don't know i don't think that pertains to the hunchback assistant <laughs> or anything about this movie <laughs> so we're, now we're just talking about how, how the spanish uh guy in a movie talked about on a different podcast <laughs> so let's get this back on track here um yes dr frankenstein has friends that are aborted fetuses um there's a hunchback assistant uh, yes, they they walk backwards for exposition in one scene, and it's it's all very crazy. When, when Sarasawa kisses his student that he's sleeping with, they just like touch their tongues together. Yeah, yeah, that was that was yeah. What? Uh... That's like the first. That's like the very first thing that happens in the movie. That's like a signal that like this is not going to be normal. Yeah. Does the hunchback die? Cause he like lives with them at the end. I think he. I think he becomes like. I think he lives. Yeah. So everyone hunch, didn't die. His hunchback is uh, also like very triangular the whole time. It's just very like pointy. The, well, the 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 main creature he commits suicide. Yeah. He he com- he jumps into the ocean, and then the doctor. Um, he does he he get in a car accident. He dies in the car, and then the monster finds him and like freaks out. Kills I remember him. that. Yeah, Franken uh, Frankenstein's monster kills the doctor. It's does he how? God. Or did he chases him and then he dies? I don't remember this movie. He is like crazy. stabs him, I think, and then the doctor runs in the car and then dies in the car, and then the monster finds him and like cries about it. Um. But yeah, no, this movie is crazy um from just the idea that suicide is like a virus uh is very interesting it almost reminds me a little bit of the movie pontypool like an idea is a virus um and then uh there's also a lot of the just kind of like unpredictable nature of the movie that that really kind of like leaves you never knowing what's going to happen next because normal people like don't write a story like this 
Um, like the me, yeah, the beginning when he's in a meeting talking about you know the suicide epidemic. Like for some reason, everyone laughs at everything that's said. Like things that aren't <laughs> funny, they're not jokes. They're just normal statements. There's one guy that keeps stuttering and laughing at everything. Um, yeah, and then shortly that's followed it- by a scene of people walking backwards and giving us exposition. Some of that stuff, like, not in the way that the movie is necessarily directed or composed or things like that, but, like, it's got that, like, sort of Lynchian kind of vibe to it, right? Where it's like, this is going to be, like, I'm going to have these guys walk backwards just because it's more interesting than having them just yeah. <laughs> sitting and talking, Yeah, you know, like. I'm gonna have I'm gonna have this meeting of scientists who are delivering exposition. One of them is gonna constantly like. Bef- I feel like the one if I'm remembering correctly. Like every time before he speaks, he like kind of refers to himself by like in the third person ish by his like full title, <laughs> and like says like he like demands to be told yeah. what is happening. I could see I could know? see like, I could see a scene like that in like Twin Peaks: The Return or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We, did we mention the death cult yet that's like kind of in cahoots with the doctor but not really they like have a meeting but he did the there's a death cult that goes around and like at various times there's like a group of students that kill each that kill themselves and you got like this crazy ceremony that they perform with bells and stuff yeah they're yeah. they're basically like think that like death is god yeah. yeah, death is gone. Or suicide. It's yeah, suicide. it's kind yeah, of like if you kill yourself, like, you attain, like, you know, I don't know, like a... Nirvana? Yeah, yeah. Like... Yeah, that, that kind of like if you've seen the movie Martyrs, where, like, there's these people that, like, you have to reach a certain level of, like, pain to see, like... To see God or yeah, life. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, there's a lot going on in here. A lot of like uh crazy kind of subtextual stuff. Um and uh the idea of <laughs> Dr. Frankenstein that's getting frustrated that his monsters <laughs> won't mate <laughs> is is a very amusing one. Um it's really <laughs> like it's really not like another movie that you would see. So that's Last Frankenstein. I I think if I have any any if if there's anything I really kind of uh I guess would say um I don't so much like is I think I think the middle act drags a little too long. Like this movie is just shy of two hours, and you could maybe trim about fifteen minutes or so of. Uh, oh yeah. Because once it gets into um, you know Sarasawa and his daughter like living with them and like helping them and stuff, um, you know the whole things with like you know here they are trying to get them to mate again. Like cut a few of those scenes down, trim it a little bit, and I think you know the pacing would work a lot better. Oh, we forgot to mention that this also has <laughs> a, a weird like montage of all like the monsters and the scientists and everyone like all enjoying a day at the beach and like putting <laughs> sunscreen on each other to like the super uh, happy yeah. music. <laughs> yeah, like Igor is putting on sunscreen on the the daughter. I think at one point, it's just very uncomfortable. And like these characters that like 
I don't even think they like each other, really, are, are all having this, like, really delightful, adorable little day at the beach. <laughs> well, and then at the end, it says, we were a family or something like that. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> ties it all together. <laughs> so, yeah, um, the Frankensteins at the beach uh, is another highlight for me, because that's another moment where I'm just like, I don't know what this is, and, like... I'm not sure why everyone is really happy just for this one scene. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I'd say trim it down a little bit, and you'd have something that exceeds into the territory of just really being excellent. As it is, though, I, I still think it's interesting and original and unpredictable enough to definitely be worth watching. Um especially if you're a fan of Frankenstein stories and especially the weird alternative takes on it. Um, so are, should, are we ready to do ratings yet? I am. Okay. So, yeah. uh, in, in addition to that, I mean, it's well shot, it's creative, but, um, yeah, I trim it up a little bit and you'd have something, uh, maybe an all timer, uh, as it is, though, I would give it a good, solid um, three and a half. Uh, I would recommend it. Um, it might not be something you want to revisit all the time, but it's definitely uh, worth tracking down. I think to this day, it's only got a Japanese VHS release, um, which is a shame. You yes. know, I, w- I would like you know a nicer looking version of this, especially because you know the makeup effects and the 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 movie is well shot um and it deserves a better transfer than you know what's floating around there but uh yeah shout out to our buddy chris marty who pointed us in the uh direction of where we could find this yeah um i I think uh my one my one annoyance is like the first act when you have all the suicides that happen i was like really into it and then they sort of just kind of forget about that like they introduce it. It's the first big thing that you hear about. They're trying to figure out what causes it. They find out it's a virus. And then they introduce this, uh, the daughter being this has psychic abilities. And she only serves the story in that she can bring the monsters to life with her powers. And then they kind of just like, again, forget about those things. And so the introduction of these really interesting ideas that won me over initially, then are later dropped in favor of watching the two monsters. But then you get, you get, but then you get more crazy ideas. Like, Happy days at the I, beach I, that's, and that's just not, monsters watching it, porn and <laughs> all kind and other but, stuff. <laughs> uh, not not my not my shake. Although I I do admit the bizarreness of the movie made it yeah enjoyable. Well, also you're the, also applying normal storytelling rules to a, a very not normal. <laughs> all I'm saying is the movie. stuff that won me over in the beginning <laughs> gets dropped, man. And and that's that's kind of annoyance. I do think it's it's worth checking out. It is a fun ride. It is incredibly unpredictable. And I think within that unpredictability is where you can just sit back and like just have your mind melted throughout the entire experience. So I'm probably at a three three and a half for this movie. And yeah, I'm I'm and then I'm at the 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 side of like if it were just a little more briskly paced. You know, there's there's only so many times you can watch the two Franken creatures casually watch porn uh, with like a disconnected confusion on their faces before the joke wears a little thin. Um, 
it'd be up there as like an all timer, but like I feel like it falls right alongside something like Mandy, where you take something that really could be a really ordinary movie if done by like a, a normal you know, person normal <laughs> normal person <laughs> and you just and you pull it inside out and do something so insane with it that it only appeals to like idiots like us <laughs> who who would rather see something interesting than something you know quote unquote good um <laughs> and and I, yeah I'm I'm at like I'm at a three and a half um, just because it's so it's so unique and original and, and offbeat, and I would I would wish that this guy would you know have made more movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, this would make like an interesting double with another movie that ironically I guess only got VHS, and that's Kaneko's um, My Soul Is Slashed. That would make a good like double feature, I think. It is interesting how they both have very, very traditional looking appearances for their main. You know, the the monster in this looks pretty. Yeah. You know, Karloff. Like if you look at stills from either of those movies, you'd be like, "Oh, it's another Japanese Frankenstein or Dracula," and then you'll watch it and be like, "What? <laughs> what the hell?" <laughs> um. Cool, man. Um, so now we have a very different take on the vampire with 2004's Mare Bito, which was uh, directed by Takeshi Shimizu, who I think is most famous for um, the Grudge movies, uh, including the original Grudge and the remake. He directed both. Um and this was part of a very low budget series of films uh that the goal w- the idea was to make it very cheap on early kind of digital camera and um it would be made uh with um a lot of students uh on, as a film crew i forget exactly what the name of that series of films was but um uh, there were a few in different genres, and this is one of the horror entries, um, and these were shot very quickly, uh, very quick um, uh, shooting schedules. Uh, so, uh, this is based on a novel by Chiaki Konaka, who um, we just reviewed his uh, episode uh, that he wrote of... Uh, Yumizu's horror horror theater. He did the Snake Girl episode. Uh, he's a horror novelist, um, and he writes a lot of tokusatsu uh, and anime stuff as well. Most notably, The Big O, and he's been a, a, a writer on a lot of the Ultraman shows. Um, so he dabbles in horror and tokusatsu. But yes, this is based on a novel um, that he wrote, and uh, it was... Uh, inspired by a few things. I mean, you see a lot of influence of H.P. Lovecraft. Um, at one point, our uh, main character stumbles upon the Mountains of Madness. Um, and uh, that is Masuoka, played by Shinya Sukamoto, who um, is an awesome director. He made the Tetsuo movies and 
Yes, he was in Shin Godzilla as well. Um, but uh, <clears throat> also the Hollow Earth theory, um, which dates back hundreds of years, I found. Um, but I think that its most famous uh, Hollow Earth adventure is Journey to the Center of the Earth, of course, by Jules Verne. And then, of course, it's a big part of the MonsterVerse films. Um, and then also uh, a big influence was um, something called the Shaver Mysteries, which are stories by Richard Shaver, Richard Sharp Shaver, who uh, him and his stories are mentioned in the movie. Um, so, are either of you familiar with this guy? Not much, no. Nope. Okay, well, this guy was weird. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, he is said to have been, I believe, a paranoid schizophrenic, but he would say that he saw and discovered all these crazy things, and um, he would write into Amazing Stories magazine which is like a, a magazine full of sci-fi and stories and such. And, of course, Spielberg had his series in the, in the 80s and 90s. Um, but so uh, a lot of his kind of crazy visions and ramblings, uh, he would turn into short stories uh, that would be published in these magazines uh, with a guy named Ray Palmer. And yes, I believe the DC character, the Adam, is named after him. Um, but anyway, so uh, the Shaver mystery, um, this is where the stuff in the, the film uh, is relevant. So he wrote a letter to Amazing Stories this is when it all all this stuff started, saying that he discovered an ancient language called Mantong, which was the source of all earthly languages. Um, and each sound had a different meaning, and by applying that to any word in any language, you could decode a secret meaning inside any word or phrase. Um, and, like, <laughs> okay, so... Uh, that's just one example, but um, he wrote a gigantic document called A Warning to Future Man, um, and he talked about these extremely advanced races who had built caverns and cities inside the Earth, um, and eventually they had left the Earth uh, because of radiation from the sun. So they abandoned the Earth, and they left some of their... Um, I guess, some of their kind there, um, and uh, there were noble uh, and more human-like taros, which were like the good guys that were left behind, and then uh, there were the daros, which are mentioned in the movie, and you see them in the movie, they're very freaky, uh, that was short for detrimental robots. And, the, and, and so these creatures aren't robots in, in that they're mechanical, but they are robots because they're robot-like due to their behavior and mannerisms. Um, and the Daros still lived in the, the, the hollow earth. Now, he believed this, okay? <laughs> so... Um, and according to Shaver, they would kidnap us um, by the thousands for meat, um, and they would use, like, ray, rays uh, 
the machinery that used rays to spy on people, um, and they would project thoughts and voices into our minds, um, and that is basically the cause of all, um, I guess, any misfortune or illness or mental illness, everything from airplane crashes to earthquakes, um, they were all because of these Daros who were projecting these horrible things into our minds, um, and so that's kind of, I mean, I went into a whole rabbit hole about all this stuff, but uh, that's where it's most relevant to the movie, so I'm not going to go on any further. However, there's podcasts, there's articles, there's a lot of writing about this guy, uh, and the weird thing is there's still people that believe all the stuff, all that crazy stuff that he believed that got filtered into his stories. Like, there's, like, cult, I, I mean, a cult following of people that not only believe in the hollow earth, but believe that, like, these Darrows are manipulating us and all this stuff. It's it's insane. There's a ton of stuff about this stuff out there. So, um, so yes, uh, that is kind of the inspiration behind Kanaka's novel and, of course, the, the, the movie here. Um... And, yeah, I mean, if anyone's more interested in this stuff, I mean, there is a wealth of information and articles and stuff you can look up online. So, uh, Google is your friend. Uh, the just, yeah, it's, I barely got to the tip of the iceberg here. Um, so, um, with Mare Bito, which, uh, I believe means, like, a stranger or strange outsider, or something like that. Um, uh, who I think... Okay, Matt, are you okay to do the synopsis for this one? I, I will do my damnedest, man. Uh, so the movie opens up with uh, Masuoka, again played by Shinya Tsukamoto, who carries a camera everywhere he goes. And he has this basic idea that he, he wants to understand fear, and he's a, he becomes obsessed with it. Um, he actually captures a person committing suicide by taking a knife and shoving the knife into his eyeball. And he rewatches this uh, ad nauseum to try to figure out, like, what was it within that man to drive him to do that? What did he feel? What did he see? And so he basically retraces the guy's steps. He goes through this labyrinth basically underground beneath the city and that's where we first kind of encounter these darrow things where they're they're on all fours they make these weird noises they kind of whimper like dogs they're, um, they're horrifying they're freaky they are <laughs> legitimately freaky so <laughs> good job on that um he ends up running into a guy that is a homeless uh, inhabitant who basically tells him about the darrow so we get some he's like the, the whole ghost time, of the guy that killed himself well, no, there's a, right. there's a homeless guy there. And then oh, yeah, meets, yeah, and then he meets the ghost. Yeah, I got you. Then he meets the ghost, yeah. But um, during the, the the course of the movie, one recurring thing is that it, there's a lot of narration. He's always telling you what he's thinking. So as he's recording his thoughts, he's telling you that he is obsessed with fear. So you have this reoccurring thing where there's a lot of exposition. Eventually, though, he does meet the ghost, and he's asking questions about, like, what did you see? You know, can you tell me more? And eventually he finds himself uh, at the Mountains of Madness. He finds, and he stumbles upon this naked girl and she's chained to a wall. He actually gets her back to her, to his apartment and he notices that she doesn't talk. She's not going to eat and she doesn't get, she doesn't drink anything. 
and he gives her the nickname F. And he actually has cameras all throughout his apartment, so when he's gone to work or whatever, he can kind of check his phone and he can actually see what she's doing. Um, and during that, he notices, like, at one point, she's talking to someone who's not on the camera. There's a sequence where, like, some of the camera footage that he's watching actually goes, like, 12 seconds goes missing. And then he starts noticing that there's this woman in a yellow jacket following him around. Um, eventually, he goes back to his house and he finds that F is on the floor convulsing. And he gets this weird call where, like, hey, man, you're in danger. You don't know what you've done. And he's trying to piece all these different things together. Eventually, he actually is filming somebody with his handheld camera, like, in the tunnel. And this guy takes offense to whatever he was filming and, like, basically punches him, takes his camera, breaks the camera. During that altercation, the guy, he uh, cuts his finger. And he goes back to his apartment with his finger cut open. And, he, and she, F, takes interest in his finger. And then she licks it. And then she begins to feed. And that's when he realizes how she feeds. So then the story kind of progresses and you have this lady who's been following him around, and eventually there's an altercation between them. He kills her, and he ends up feeding her to F. Um, at one point, he actually lures a girl with the premise of paying her for pornography production, and he slits her throat and feeds her to F. Um, so you have these kind of weird things where he's helping F along, and then eventually, um, trying to think here, maybe when you guys can can step in, I've I've fallen down the the rabbit hole. Um, he, there's this weird sequ sequence at the end of the film where he starts talking to himself and he realizes that his daughter's name also starts with an F and that maybe that person in the yellow jacket was actually his wife. And so there's a weird element of like psychosis. What is real? What is the Daryl's projecting? Which is kind of where that ties in from the Richard Shaver stuff. So, and, and the whole thing is what happened, what actually what didn't happen. And at the end of the film, He's actually led down back into the caverns by F, and she tries to answer his questions about what did that original person see when he looked into the camera and killed himself because he, he gazes into the camera with this utter look of like terror. So he finally reaches the apex of what he wanted, what was fear, and that's kind of where the movie ends. Uh, yeah, so... Well, it goes without saying these are spoiler reviews, but yes, um, the the lady that he, he that he sees like she keeps saying she says like I'm your wife and you know you know talking about you know their daughter and then yeah the I, the I think that it's heavily I mean it's kind of left up for interpretation, but I think it's it's heavily leaning into you know that's his wife and you know F is most likely his daughter and he is so twisted in the head that he thinks that all these things happened. I, I mean, may, maybe a lot like Shaver himself, you know, that uh, Masuoka thinks, you know, that he visited this hollow earth and that he, that, and that he found a, a, a girl in Lovecraft's mountains of madness in underneath the subway and, and all this stuff. And, and, we do see at the beginning, uh, one of the very first things we see him do is he, he gets rid of his medication. You know, he, he throws his, yep. his Prozac in the garbage, and then from there, he just spirals into this obsessive thing about, you know, what did this guy see? You know, it kind of ties into what we were saying about the, the suicide cult in Last Frankenstein. You know, he's like, this guy saw something in his final seconds of life. And I need to know what that is. I need to know what he saw. Did he see God? What What was it? And um, and 
we're seeing everything from his point of view. So um, it's in the truest sense of the words, uh, 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 the, the, the unreliable narrator trope where you really don't know how much of what we're seeing is reality and how much of it is just what he believes is going on or what he believes he went through. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, this movie is something, um, (laughs) and, and I think there's a really nice slow burn to it. It's a slow movie, but like, it's the kind of slow movie that, especially in horror that I like, um, you know, even even just the reveal that F is a vampire, you know, it takes its time to get there. You know, it's not really rushing. It's kind of unraveling the mystery at a very steady pace. Um, but it's, in a way, it works in its favor. It's, and for something as uh, cheaply made and on kind of the early days of digital filmmaking, um, I actually think it looks pretty good. Yeah. There's a lot of movies that were shot on digital from around this time that look like, you know, your now they look like, you know, your your dad's home movies or something. This didn't yeah, this yeah. didn't have that feeling really. No, it's it looks stylish. I mean, there's a couple moments, right, especially when he's in that deep hollow earth um quote unquote climbing on things where the the, the digital effects work is, is really terrible actually, but I mean, um, no, it looks cinematic otherwise. And, um, it is very stylish. Um, it's very interesting. It's very unique, but it is, it's like, it's crazy. It's, like, it's also like, it's like the insane ravings of a lunatic. And it's also about the insane ravings of a lunatic. Yeah. So it's like, double and and and, it, and it's it's also like it's a pretty un, it's an unsettling movie it is it's uncomfortable the, you know in the best way po- i mean that in the best way possible but it is uncomfortable when you really start thinking about like what some of the twists and turns and potential reveals mean you know with like especially when he's like really thinking that that was his wife and f was his daughter and you know the what he says about the way he was treating her and things like that it is yeah it, it's yeah and, and like yeah when you think like okay this guy's so twisted in the head he thinks his daughter is a vampire that he found inside the hollow earth in hp lovecraft's mountains of madness and she's chained up in his in their home and like he's, he also like walks her like a dog yeah and he's <laughs> only feeding her blood like that's so it's incredible it's so fucked up but <laughs> Um, and I have to, I gotta say, Shinya Tsukamoto is great he's in great. this. Yeah, he's, he's really good. And, uh, he's all, he's, he's always so good at playing, like, oh, you know, god damn I really it. like the, I really like the, the, the little note or whatever about, like, the character, you know, being, um, it's, it, it doesn't feel real for him unless he sees it through the camera. Yeah. You know, like the, yeah, there's there's a great around. moment where he's walking around in the street, and like what you see, like what we would see, looks like artifacted, like it's from a videotape. But then what you then when it shows it through his viewfinder, it's clear. So that's like 
a reflection of how like what he sees through his camera is real, but everything else is not real. Yeah. Yeah. It's unreliable narrator stuff is, is tricky because I feel like a lot of times it ends up feeling cheap because I don't think people push it far enough. You know, they, they want, they do, they want to use it. They, a lot of people want to use it in a cheap way to, justify a twist or a a missing piece of information to spring something on an audience this i never feel like anything is is being set up for a cheap twist or anything and so it's just it's it's taking that unreliable narrator thing to like its fullest extent and and pushing it exactly as far as it needs to go and and so you get this just this it's like a messed up and crazy story, no matter which side of it is true. Right? <laughs> yeah. like, even if she's a vampire, she's a vampire that he tore from whatever her home was, where, you know, the, the character who keeps calling her on the phone, calling him on the phone is like, you shouldn't have taken her. Like, you know, it may have looked like she was trapped and being held against her will, but she needed to be there. That's where she was supposed to be. And he took her just for no reason and then had to kill people to, like, keep her alive. Or the flip side being, you know, that he chained his own daughter up in his house and killed people and tried to feed her their blood. Like, <laughs> either version is, is awful. <laughs> like, and so you're, you're, you're uncomfortable no matter which version you choose to believe. And they're both, like because of the way the movie is structured and because of just like all the little, the little things that it does, both versions are plausible. Yeah. I'm going to have to like splice this into the other episode, but we forgot in Sakuya, that whole sequence with Tsukamoto is like the messed up doll maker guy. Oh yeah. yeah. Where like they go to his, they, they go to like a hotel and he's like a creepy guy there and he has all these dolls, and it turns out they have, like, the souls of these girls, and they're, like, crying and saying, like, save us. Yeah, that's, like, the... Yeah, that was a pretty awesome... Yeah. And then he gets yeah, killed she, by she the... She thinks he's a yokai. Yeah, she, they think he's, like, he's a yokai. No, but, I'm just a dude. Yeah, but he's actually just a weirdo. And then the person that runs the hotel is an actual yokai that's, like, a big cat person. And then she kills... Oh, yeah. yeah, and then she kills him, and then they have to fight and kill her. And then the cat thing is really cool too. Yeah, and then that and that's what saves all the girls that, that are like in the doll. I'll have to like add that to like the end of the last episode. Is like I don't know. There might as well just be an outtake section after it with the, this and the Taka <laughs> Kibakichi's dad. <laughs> um, but yes, on with with Mari Bito. Uh, th- yeah, th- this is another movie that. You know, at first I was looking for something a little bit more in the gonzo, pseudo-comedic realm of Last Frankenstein and Vampire Girl versus Frankenstein Girl, but none of the movies that I was, like, coming up with I could find. But not only is Mary Beto on YouTube, but I have the DVD, like, it's easily accessible. But it it really is does kind of fall in with them in that this is a very out-there and different take on a vampire story and there's you're not going to find another movie quite like this um i mean in the most shallow terms i could compare it to say a movie like uh 
Zalowski's possession, you know, in that you're never quite sure what's going on, and there's a lot of really troubling stuff going on under the surface. But even that, I, 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 I don't know that even that's like the best comparison. Or, but it's um, yeah, for a movie that was done as part of like this experimental, like hey. Let's get veteran directors and like student crews to make these cheapy movies for like five bucks or whatever. Uh, it's really good. Yeah, no, it's it, for for something like you said, like like that. It's it it's pretty awesome. <laughs> and th- this is a movie that doesn't really leave your head either. Yeah, like everything from the Darrows who look and sound just absolutely horrifying to, you know, like we said, just the whole nature of either version of the story you're going to go with, if it's all in his head or if he's actually doing it, they're both just crazy really and yeah. t- horrifying. <laughs> um, but it's, uh, it's a wild movie and, uh, yeah, this for me this was a steal cuz I got the DVD at a Blockbuster video that was going out of business. It was 2 bucks. And I was like sign me up. You know, I heard about it and like yeah, I I think this is uh another one that uh is ripe for rediscovery, I think. Um and uh yeah, you guys want to do ratings? I'm I'm just going to say mine right out the gate. I'm going to give this uh, four uh, mentally ill science fiction writers filtering their paranoia into short stories out of five. Uh, yeah, I think um, three and a half, four. Like, I mean, it's it's highly recommended. Very interesting. Very eerie and moody. And all the questions that go on in your head about what happened, what didn't happen, how did they get to this place, and the ending. I think is just it's something that sticks with you and uh, makes you think. And I really appreciate the way those things come together. Yeah. I'm at, a, I'm at like a solid, strong three and a half. Um, I don't, I don't know if I can get myself to a four, but I, I wouldn't go any lower than a three and a half. Yeah. I mean, I, this was the second time I'd seen it since I got the DVD, which was years ago. And I was more in the three, three and a half camp back then. But uh, upon rewatching, um it's a see that might help on it like yeah this is a movie that like i think bears rewatching yeah it's it's definitely a movie that like you're gonna pick up on more uh stuff the more you watch it um so yeah it it probably will would improve for a lot of people on rewatches uh like i said it's on youtube i mean find it go watch it this stuff is we're not uh uh this one's not as hard to find as something like the last Frankenstein. So, um, okay. So now we're going to, uh, coalesce into, um, some more, some just distilled insanity. Uh, so, um, here we have a movie that combines very different takes on both Frankenstein and vampires. Uh, and, um, Vampire Ver- Girl versus Frankenstein Girl, uh, directed by Yoshihiro Nishimura and Nayuki Tomomatsu. Um, 
hated the movie Stacy, the zombie movie. But uh, I believe this is our first Nishimura film that we've reviewed on here. I know we've talked about this movie before, especially when we had Norman England on. You know, he was on this shoot, and he was like, yeah, these guys do, like, 20-hour shoots, and you sleep for, like, an hour, and then you come back to the set. Uh, so that sounds miserable. Um, uh, and also, his first subtitling job was was for this movie. Um, not a whole lot of background. I know it's based on a manga by a woman named Shungiku Uchida. Um, I was not able to find much information on the manga itself. I don't know if that manga has even been released in English. Um, not that I could see, but, uh, I wouldn't want to look like a fool. (laughs) Anyway, um, so, uh, this is where I was running out of time to do our show notes, so I did not get a chance to assign someone with the synopsis. Do I have any takers? I can do it if Tom doesn't want to do it. Ooh. I feel like, I mean, it's, this is a really easy one to do in very generic kind of broad terms, <laughs> you know, uh, and and then when you start getting into the specifics, it's, it's kind of, like, what, where did that come from? But like, yeah, I mean, I mean, in, in very kind of generic terms, you know, this is, it centers around. And, and I'm 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 gonna suck with the names and probably not even remember them. So, in fact, I'm, I know I'm just not gonna remember them. But it centers around a high school boy, um, and he's the best in his class of rather unremarkable students. And so, since he is sort of the best uh, in his class, the 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 top girl, you know, in terms of the pecking order of popularity and everything, is like, all right, we're dating now. And he's like, wait, what? And she's like, we're dating. And he's like, um, oh, okay, I guess. Well, this all starts when, and I guess like, in Japan, there's a tradition of, like, on Valentine's Day, you give chocolate to your crush. Girls yeah, give yeah, boys yeah, girl- chocolates. Right, right, right. And, um, yeah, and so she's like, well, we're dating. And, and he's like, uh, okay, I guess. And, like, so then on Valentine's Day, she wants to give him some chocolate to confirm that they're dating. I guess you only eat the chocolate of a girl that you like. Um, and all the chocolate gets confiscated by uh, this stickler of a teacher. Yeah, what's that guy's problem? Even, even the girl's uh, father is incapable of swaying this teacher, and he's the vice principal. Um, he's also considers himself the successor to Dr. Frankenstein. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, he dresses up in a, in like a crazy, like Kabuki outfit (laughs) and um, does like a song and dance routine about how he's the next Frankenstein and um, tries to put bodies back together. But like, because he, I don't know, because he's never seen a body before. He like, (laughs) He can't stitch a body back together normally. He puts like the arms on the ears and like the feet <laughs> and where the arms go and stuff. Um, also, at this school, the, the nurse helps out this Dr. Frankenstein successor, and she's like the sexy, this sex nurse of all time. But um, that's just that's just there because it's there. Uh <laughs> But so when everyone gets their chocolate confiscated, one person doesn't. And it's the new girl at school who um, 
gives the, this boy a piece of chocolate and then a, just a little piece because she's like, oh, it's all I could, you know, manage to whip together. Um, but hey, at least because it was small, it didn't get taken. Will you accept it? Because I think you're cute. And and he's like, um, okay, I guess, you know, she's she, he's like, she's very beautiful, but like doesn't stand out for whatever reason. He eats her her chocolate and he's like, this is really good. What's this red stuff inside? And she's like, oh, that's my blood. He, he, he. And he's like, I'm sorry, it's your what? And she's like, yeah, don't you want to have more blood now? By the way, I'm a vampire. And now you're going to be a vampire too. Um, and then how does this Frankenstein guy get the Frankenstein powers? Um, oh, they it's her blood. It's a, they figure out that oh, her yeah, blood yeah. has powers. Um, yeah. So after she tries to get um, the boy to kiss her, uh, by biting her lip and, you know, having him suck the blood off her lip. Um, the other girl who thinks that the boy is her boyfriend goes to slap her, and when she moves and dodges and ducks, a drop of her blood falls on the floor. And when the nurse goes to wipe it up with the mop, the blood is, like, sentient. <laughs> and... Yeah, and so she takes that blood to the Dr. Frankenstein guy who's like, oh, this is this, this is the secret. Um, and from there, oh, I forgot I forgot to mention about the 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 um, the girls who are in the the wrist slashing club. <laughs> they have a contest. <laughs> competition. Yeah. Yes, they have a wrist slashing competition and the one cuts her own arm off and loses. And so then she gets Frankenstein back together, but because he has the blood now, he, like, is able to make her, you know, Frankenstein monster? Well, no, like, remember the only way the only way he can get it to work is, like, if you... <laughs> God, we sound so stupid. <laughs> well, it is, it is, it is you, 1.30. You, you, no, fair. no, like, just because, like, we sound like we're making this up. <laughs> But, like, to get the body parts to, like, go together, he has to, like, submerge the nails in the blood. Like, nails. Like, or screws. Yeah, they come to life. And, the, and then they come yeah. to life, and they're what binds the Frankenstein monster's, like, body parts together? Yeah. And the reason he's doing it to begin with is because his daughter falls off the, the school, like, that top of that building when she goes to slap her and she dies. And so he uses her body and combines it with this other bodies of people that he's had killed. So like the girls that are cutting their wrist, one of them cuts their arm off. Yeah. Like using different body parts. Like and he, he's pumped about girls. it too. He's, uh, he's like, yes, I, I've been waiting for my daughter to die so I can use her body for so long. So, so when do, when do we talk about where the legs come from for that monster? Cause and then, well, and then, and then basically, yeah, the, the rest of the story from there is just the Frankenstein people trying to kill the vampire people so that everyone can be with whoever wins gets to be with the boy at the end. That's that's sort of the the, the, the rest of the thrust of the plot. Although he doesn't seem except, that interested in the Frankenstein girl. Except when he when we get to the end and he's like, Oh hey, you know, vampire girl. What about your um, the the guy, the servant, the slave who used to follow you around? And she was like, 
oh, I turned him into a vampire like a hundred years ago, and and then after I turned you into a vampire, he just he just died just now. <laughs> um, and he's and she's like, so you know maybe you will too when I get tired of you, and he's like, shit, what? <laughs> um, and that's like the way the movie ends, and then it ends with that super pop song. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it it ends with uh. So the Frankenstein girl has. What about when the vampire girl bites the Frankenstein or like eats the one person, uh, and then has to eat? Oh, she's she she has to eat the um, the stickler teacher, right? Yeah, yeah. Because he, he because he was recording her. <laughs> yeah, he's like a peeping tom. Yeah, kind of dude. yeah. Um, and and it, it plays over her hearing that song about how, like while she's doing it, she's thinking of the boy that she likes, and like it's that love song that's playing. Yeah, um, it's madness. But uh, well, yeah. There's um, uh, we uh, we do get the so like I mentioned, we get the vampire girl's origin, which is she is like several like hundred years old or something and her mom was killed by uh francis xavier who was the um conquistador uh, the missionary that was in japan um uh pushing western religion and uh, it turns out he was a vampire hunter as well um and then also uh yeah the vampire or the frankenstein girl has a propeller that's made out of like ar- is it arms and legs legs yeah legs. Uh, on her head and so yeah they fly up to tokyo tower uh and that is how uh the the final battle takes place but yeah the very end the well and the nurse the nurse becomes a frankenstein too and has boob rocket hands with eyeballs in them yeah yeah um and at the very end, uh, like you said, um, one thing that you didn't talk about is the the Frankenstein girl comes back is like basically like kaiju sized, and then it goes to the credits. Oh yeah, that's yeah, like the little stinger right at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I also didn't talk about the three on one fight, but that's what like kicks off the movie. Yeah, yeah, where it it begins with them like. Uh, I guess they're wanderers now, or something. <laughs> and yeah, they they get in a, a fight that really sets the tone because it's crazy and gory, and like people's faces get pulled off, and you know, there's a lot of there's actually a lot of really good practical gore effects. Um, but yeah, the school has some strange clubs. There's the wrist cutters club, <laughs> and then there's the ganguru club, uh, which. Uh, I wouldn't blame anyone for watching this movie and being completely appalled by uh, the blackface of uh, the characters in this club. Now, I guess what Ganguru is, is a predominantly female-driven fashion trend in Japan where basically they get, you know... uh, they dye their skin, they get weaves, they grow out their nails and decorate them to try and kind of emulate the look of African-American women. Um, so it's kind of like a weird cultural cultural appropriation thing over there. Um, and that's kind of what the movie is really kind of, I guess, making fun of, is how far these girls go. 
Um, like in the movie, I guess the leader of the club who gives the Frankenstein girl her fast legs is like, um, like she, she's like decked out in full prosthetic, like latex, like makeup, um, which I, I don't know if anyone in Japan takes it that far, but it's kind of poking fun <laughs> at how far some of these girls over there take this obsession. Um, it's really strange. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. I guess it, it, it first from our cultural viewpoint, you, we, we kind of think like, Hey, don't you think someone in Japan should like tell these women that like they shouldn't do that? <laughs> but I don't know if, I don't even, I don't know if there's an, if that's, uh, really a conversation that's happening over there. Something's telling me it's not. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's kind of what that's all about. Um, I think for Americans, yeah, like, I think we were all pretty appalled by it, and then, like, we kind of, like, looked, looked into it a little more, and was like, okay, I, I get it now, it's making fun of, like, how far this subculture takes this, but, uh, yeah, yeah, but it's pretty appalling at first. It is very uncomfortable to look at. It would be like if someone, it would would almost be like if someone watched Tropic Thunder without knowing about the weird subgenre of, like, Oscar-nominated, like, mentally handicapped people movies, (laughs) and, like, thinking that Tropic Thunder was making fun of mentally handicapped people instead of, like, that weird, uncomfortable genre of Hollywood films which I think has finally died off probably because of that movie, thank God. Um, but yeah, it's that's another level of, I guess, weirdness because uh, there's something like aesthetically unpleasing about these, these, these girls. Um, and uh, yeah, I, it just contributes to just the kind of like, WTF of this entire film because this movie is really it's an assault on like every sense like it's it's an assault. Oh, this movie doesn't this movie does not give a shit about you, no. the viewer. No, 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 this movie could care less what you think. <laughs> uh, it's it's just determined to be gonzo and crazy and gory and taboo and. You know, you're going to see people's faces get ripped off in all of its rubbery uh, glory. You're going to see heads explode. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you're if you're willing to roll with a girl who slashes her wrists for fun so much that she has calluses on her wrists that are basically <laughs> armor, uh, when she turns into a Frankenstein monster, um, she has armored arms and then also... A helicopter made of legs pops out of the top of her head. She fights a vampire girl who can make swords come from her arms as long as she has her special cape fighting alongside the vampire girl's servant who is dressed in bone armor while he tries to fend off another evil Frankenstein monster lady with eye hands on her boobs that she launches (laughs) like bazookas before they get crammed back into her eye sockets. (laughs) all because you know they like the same boy then then you're in for a fun time if if, the, if that's your bag then you know it and you're you're gonna like this movie <laughs> um if it's not you know yeah you'll you'll probably be even more bothered by some of the the 
racial humor and some of the the callous treatment of of suicidal <laughs> teens as a punchline. Right. Um, but I mean, it's it's all a give and a take, and I think it, it gives a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm not sure how many people out there are familiar with Nishimura, but the guy's crazy. <laughs> uh, I mean, Mutant Girl Squad, Hell Driver, Meatball Machine. Uh, he's insane. Um, I've seen Meatball Machine. Those are nuts. Yeah, he did one of them. I don't know. I don't know if he did like the main one, but uh, I think he did like one of the sequels. But yeah, I mean, the guy. He just he makes just insanity, and he doesn't really care. If you like it or not, <laughs> he's not going for broad appeal. Uh, and uh, but yeah, I mean, he's also a really talented effects guy. Like um, he did uh, some of the uh, practical um, molds and stuff for Shin Godzilla. Um, but he's a madman, and uh, this movie is just distilled lunacy. Um, and yeah, it would to hear Norman say like, yeah, they do like twenty hour shoots. Like everyone's probably l- losing it <laughs> when they make these, right? <laughs> <laughs> like I would think everyone's exhausted, and that just filters into this like explosion of like I don't know if it's like part of like Japan being like kind of repressed. It is a culture in ways and it just like explodes in this like madness of whatever <laughs> but uh i'm glad it exists have you seen uh nishimura's uh like profile picture on letterboxd yeah he's like covered in blood or something isn't yeah. he? <laughs> <laughs> and after seeing this movie doesn't surprise any of us i don't think yeah, so he also directed Speaker Man, the Boo. Yeah, which is on my list for November because I have a list of stuff I need to catch up and and watch. That and that's one that is on my list, uh, which you said is like a surprisingly like sweet <laughs> film. Yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the guy's a madman, and I think he's kind of like he's one of the mavericks of like. Japanese splatter movies at this point. Um, so how many uh, <laughs> how many uh, slit wrists teens do you give this out of five? I'm at a uh, solid three and a half, bordering on a four. It's it's a it's a bonkers fun time. I had a absolute blast watching it. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I was thoroughly entertained from start to finish. The, be- the beginning is nuts, and just like the first, you know, five minutes, all the stuff that happened. So I just, I highly recommend it. Assuming, you know, you're cool with all the cultural nonsense going on. Yeah, I'm, I'm at a three and a half also. It's, uh, it is bonkers, but it's also, it's, it's an assault, you know, um, and and so it is, you know, normally like right up my alley and everything, but it, it just it's it's relentless. Like you luckily I was I was kinda up for it. I was kinda in the mood for it when when it was when I watched this because it was 
Um, I watched this like more on the heels of, of the Kibikichi movies, which yeah, they have got their crazy moments, but they're a little more, you know, straight laced and, and, and not so crazy. And so, and, and kind of quiet, especially by comparison to this. So I was in the mood for something that was like just an oral and, and oral and, and optical assault. And this movie is, I mean, it's just, it's loud it's constant and and it never lets up and uh, and yeah if you if you could kind of kind of you know grin and bear it and <laughs> and, uh, and just grip the seat and and and, and let it do its thing it, it's fun <laughs> and I it's a three and a half yeah it's a it's a fun movie uh, and uh, yeah it's it's a three and a half i'm i'm gonna go there too uh it's just super entertaining and if you're in the mood for something um you know that's less heavy is something like you know mary beto and this just like balls to the wall you know fuck it here's just a bunch of gore and monsters um you know this is the season for movies like that i always like you know the lighter like splatterier uh kind of horror comedy mixes in october like um return of living dead or evil dead 2 or dead alive and like this is kind of in that vein uh in that it's just like free wielding and it's like we're gonna make a twisted movie that doesn't care and if you don't think it's fun or funny then you know whatever Fuck you. <laughs> that's basically what this movie is. And so. good night, everybody. <laughs> yeah, that's basically what this movie wants you to know. Um, so yeah, I, I dug it. And um, Nishimura and uh, his co-director here just really just went insane. So uh, yeah, I would say check this one out um, if it sounds like it's up your alley. Yeah, and I would... Uh... I would I would recommend some of uh, Nishimura's other movies if you like this one. And uh, just looking at the filmography of co-director Naoki Tamamatsu, I would say probably not recommended. <laughs> What's in there? Um, uh, Besides rape zombie, Stacy's the one rape. that I know. Oh, rape zombie, huh? <laughs> yeah. And rape zombie two and rape zombie three. Oh, a trilogy. And- and the rape zombie remake. <laughs> <laughs> it's a franchise. <laughs> um, well, there you go for next October, Tom. The rape zombies. <laughs> uh, Erotabot. Oh, no, I'm sorry. He did rape zombie one, two, three, and five. <laughs> There's five of those? He took a break for four? But he did not do four. <laughs> huh. um, Erotabot. <laughs> Um, female prisoner Akela tormenting and breaking in a bitch. Um, <laughs> yeah, female. Uh, yeah, bitch training Sis- torment. Scissor dick. <laughs> huh. Uh, all right. So yeah. I'm going to pass. I'd probably watch those, but I'm stupid. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, uh, 
So there's uh, some wild vampire and Frankenstein stuff. Uh, you know, if you've watched the Universal movies a million times, you've gone through the Hammer stuff, uh, you watch Frankenstein Conquers the World in the Bloodthirsty trilogy, um, this is, uh, this is not a bad place to go. I think these are three solid films, all very different, all with their own unique spins on these creatures, and, uh, um, yeah, check them out. Uh, alright, I think we're good here. Are you guys good? Alright, good night everybody. Thank you for listening to the Kaiju Transmissions podcast. Please take a moment to rate and review us on iTunes, Podbean, and Stitcher. Make sure to subscribe for all the latest episodes. You can also check us out on Twitter at KT underscore podcast. You can check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Kaiju Transmissions. And you can email us at kaijutransmissions at gmail.com if you have any questions or comments. And we will see you next time.